Good morning, Springhouse. Boy, it's a good day to be here. Amen. Whoa, the lights just went down on you guys. <laughs> Can you bring those lights back up? I want to see who I'm spitting on this morning. Kurt. <laughs> Well, good morning. It's a good day to be in the house, and the sunshine is out. We're seeing sunshine after quite some time without. Um, like I told the early gathering, my wife gets to see sunshine every day. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good day to be here. And uh, aren't, don't you just like the person sit, you're sitting next to? <laughs> or maybe the other side, one or the other, yeah. <clears throat> Oh, I love the joy we have in Christ Jesus. If you're joining us on uh, live stream, I'm glad that you're here this morning. Uh, before, we, uh, before we get uh, rolling here, uh, Thursday, Thursday night this week, there will be no midweek uh, gathering. Uh, we will be doing, a, they'll be doing a dress rehearsal here for You Can't Take It With You. Uh, and so that show opens Friday and Saturday. So if you would like to uh, be a part of that, participate in that, go online and get you some tickets, I, uh, I don't believe you will be disappointed. I think you'll... Uh, you'll uh, enjoy that. So no midweek gathering this week. The following Thursday, I've asked Pastor Justin to put together a series called Family Raw and Beautiful. Raw and Beautiful. So we're going to hear about the raw and beautiful aspects of family from a variety of, of couples in our church. They're going to share just some of their story. And I'm praying that, that God's going to uh, create an opportunity for laughter, uh, some insight, uh, and some things from his word in that. Yeah, so come and be a part of that. That will be two Thursdays, or Thursday from this week, uh, starting at six o'clock. We want you to be a part of that. that sound good? All right. <clears throat> well, today... Uh, we're going to continue into the book of Matthew chapter 4. So would you guys stand with me? We're going to get right into the word. Let's read this with some gusto today, people. <clears throat> Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And Father, may we be people who follow you. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be pliable this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would instruct us, that you would teach us, that you would center us in on truth and let us stand on your truth because your truth does stand and it's a firm foundation. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I totally said synagogue earlier. That's why I... That's why I paused. I asked you to read with gusto, and you did, and it surprised me, so then I couldn't speak. So that was good. Uh, we should do that every week. Not say synodog, but read with gusto. We're continuing uh, right in with, uh, with our, our Kingdom Seeker series uh, in Matthew, and we have seen Jesus be announced in the wilderness from John the Baptist 
And after his announcement uh, that he was coming, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Following that, he, he, saw, he sought out and uh, identified his disciples. He called his disciples and he began his ministry, preaching and teaching the word. And so today we go into the section of scripture uh, that begins to launch us, truly launch us into uh, Jesus's ministry to the crowds and to the people uh, in Galilee and all throughout that, that region. Uh, and wasn't Pastor Barbie's message last week so powerful? I pray that you have, uh, have confronted the those nets. We so often hold on to things when we come into our relationship with the Lord. Uh, And then we're invited to lay down those nets. We're invited to follow him with an open hand posture. But dare I say that along the journey sometimes when we're following him, we tend to pick some things up. We tend to fashion some new nets and we begin to pick some things up and carry them them along that aren't things that he's asked us to pick up, aren't, aren't, uh, and sometimes it doesn't come in in the form of activities or things that we're putting our time to, sometimes it comes in the form of learning things that we need to unlearn and uh, truths that are not actually truths. And sometimes we pick some of these things up and we'll carry them around and we will hold on to them with life, like as if, as if we're going to, th- this is life or our death. And, uh, and I, I just, I would ask today that our hearts would be open and our hands would be open this way and our minds would be open to really center in on the truth of God's word and uh, the topic that we're gonna be discussing today. Matthew does something interesting here. If you're reading in Matthew, he's real intentional about how he sets things up. He says that Jesus is going through Galilee and he is doing three things. He is teaching, he is preaching, and he is healing. And what's going to happen, and you're going to see over the next few chapters, is that Matthew is going to open up those things. We're going to go through a season where we're going to see Jesus teaching and preaching, and we're going to go through some time where he's healing. And then at the end of chapter 9, Matthew references this exact same, he says the exact same thing. Jesus went throughout the region teaching, preaching, and healing. And so Matthew basically caps both sides of this and says, this is what's about to happen. This is what I'm about to tell you about. And as we get into it, into the next few weeks, you're going to see this just expand and, and, and go out. And then, uh, and then the end of chapter nine, he kind of closes that. And then Jesus says, but the harvest is full, but the, wor- the harvest is full, but the workers are few. And this is when you'll see Jesus send out those disciples and he'll send the people out uh, to uh, the disciples out to, to do those things just like he did. And so Matthew is setting us up here and we learn uh, the word tells us that Jesus is going through Galilee and he's going, uh, he's doing primarily three things. And these are the three things, as we've already uncovered, he's teaching, he's preaching, and he is healing. I want us to remember that as we are reading this scripture, what Matthew is talking to us about, the period of time that he is telling us about is before resurrected Christ. It's before the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus is going about and he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing before he has done the salvation work that we know as death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. On our side, though, when we look at it, we have the understanding and we believe in the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what so often happens is when we get on this side of the resurrection and we're looking back at all these things, we dismiss teaching teaching and preaching, and we just gravitate to the healing. We say teaching and preaching can go out the window, but just give me the thing that I want. 
that satisfies my desire right now, the thing that I feel like I need, and, and the teaching and the preaching can kind of go out of the window. I want you to understand that while healing is wonderful and important and powerful, and God does do it, I want you to understand that his prerogative and his purpose wasn't just to come and heal. He was coming to teach and proclaim that the, heaven of, the, the kingdom of heaven was near. It's an all-inclusive picture, but so often we, we, we magnify the benefits of God. There's a psalm that says that we're not supposed to forget the benefits of God. We do get benefits following this king, but may we not forget the one who gives the benefits. May we not forget the one who is sovereign and who sits on the throne, the one who graciously with mercy hands out healing and, and financial uh, stability and peace and all of these things that he gives us. What a wonderful thing. And if he didn't give any of those things, he's still the king. He is still the king. And so Matthew says that Jesus is going out and he is teaching in the, the synagogues. The word used here is uh, didasco. And that means to impart, uh, impart wisdom, to impart knowledge, to train, to explain. And he's going into the synagogues. And what would happen in these synagogues, in these, in these little communities, the synagogues would be built for about every 10 families. So you can imagine uh, in here that, that we would represent, if we lived in different cities, we would represent 20, 30 synagogues just in this room alone. So synagogues were built in, it would be a place where the rabbis would come uh, and they would read from the scroll and they would teach and they would explain what was written. They would explain uh, what, 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 they, what they were reading. And when a rabbi would come and visit, they would allow the visiting rabbi to, to take the, the platform and to read the scroll and to explain it. But little did these people really know or realize until Jesus made himself known that Jesus, the son of God, was reading these scrolls to them. He's saying to them, I am the fulfillment of everything I'm reading right here. I'm standing right before you. And so he's teaching and he's explaining what would it be like to sit under Jesus Christ teaching? What would it be like? Boy, you couldn't, there would be no argument then. It is what he says, right? It is what he says. So he's teaching and he's explaining and so if teaching is explaining, preaching is proclaiming. And he was proclaiming that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in that moment, at that time, he meant that quite literally. The kingdom of he heaven is right here, right in front of you. You can touch it. You can see it. You can feel it. You're hearing from it. It's right, it's right there. It was the good news. It was the good news. And do you know that the good news is available for us today? The good news of Jesus Christ is alive. He's at, he is alive on the right hand of the Father. The good news where before they had to believe in his first coming, we are on the other side of the resurrection, believing in this glorious time where he's gonna split the sky and come back again. Do you believe that? Do you believe today that there is an eternity waiting for you? He is building a mansion in heaven, the word says, a house in heaven. I don't know what a mansion to God looks like, but he's building it in heaven for us to come and live with him for all eternity. Our life is but a breath here. Our life is very, very, very short. And so he went around Galilee and in the area he was teaching and he was preaching. And what we are probably most interested in is he was healing. He was healing people. The word tells us that they brought all types of illnesses and disease. 
the paralytics to him, the people who, could, who couldn't walk, all of these ailments, they would come to him and Jesus would heal their diseases. So the question that we would have today as it relates to us is this, does Jesus still heal today? Does he heal right now? Does he heal today? Now, I'll preach. <laughs> no. Uh, there is, uh, first of all, let's, let's, let's make sure we are all on the same page that we understand, because we just read it, that Jesus, when he was walking the earth and with the people, he healed people. He did that. And there is substantial evidence to prove that after Jesus' death and resurrection, people were still supernatural, supernaturally healed. In fact, we still can experience supernatural healing today. A lot of people, when they're talking about uh, healing or they, they're using scripture to, to, to build a foundation for the case of healing now, they will go to the verse over in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, that says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that belonged, uh, that brought peace was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Now, what type of healing is is that talking about? Now, this would be Isaiah. This is prior to Jesus entering the picture, so this is a prophecy. And so what is he referring to? Is he referring to our physical ailments? Is he talking about uh, the, the spiritual things inside, emotional? What type of healing is he talking about? Well, if we look at God's word, which is where we should go to prove God's word, should be in God's word, um, we go to book, the book of Matthew, uh, over in chapter 8, if you want to go there, if you have your Bible, but, uh, chapter 8, verse 17, Matthew refers to this, uh, this very prophecy, and this is what he says. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Listen, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So this tells us that the fulfillment of the prophecy was that physical, this was a physical healing. But it is referenced again in Scripture in the New Testament. If you'll go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I just love the Word of God. Do you? If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. The context of 1 Peter chapter 2, if you read the entire chapter, is spiritual. It's the things happening inside you, not, not physical, but spiritual, perhaps emotional, perhaps mental, those types of healing. Would you guys be bold enough to believe that this Jesus could heal both physical and spiritual needs? That this God would be big enough that this would encompass all healing? That it's not just sectioned out for a part, but he, he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that, that we can actually stand and believe that he can heal all things? 
Is that true? Do we believe that, church? So the word tells us that this, this, this can be ascribed to all sorts of healing. This can be ascribed to all sorts of healing. In fact, we are instructed when it comes, specific, when it comes to specific physical healing, we're actually given some instruction in the book of James. It says this, if anyone among you is, is anyone among you troubled, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Continues. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we are given instruction when it comes to our physical ailments, when it comes to our infirmity, when it comes to, to things in our body that we need healing for, we are given some instruction that we can call the elders of the church and with oil they anoint it. And that person, if you pray and you believe in faith, you become well, okay? So this, this, this calls into question healing. Healing can be done through Jesus. Healing, Jesus heals, but by, through which mode does Jesus heal? How does Jesus heal? How does Jesus heal? I have had strep throat in my life. Who here has had strep throat before? Okay, I've had strep throat. When I get strep throat, I get on the phone, I call my doctor, I get in my car, I go to the doctor's office. He or she will prescribe me a Z-pack or some type of antibiotic. I will go to the pharmacist, I'll pick up that antibiotic. I'll take that medicine and I'll get better. When that happens, I do not call my doctor back and schedule a meeting, get back in my car, go to the doctor's office, go into the doctor's office and get down on my knees and say, thank you so much, doctor. You are so worthy. You are wonderful. Praise be to you, doctor, for the way that you have healed me. No, when I'm healed, I say, praise God. I say, praise God. Do you know that your body is actually designed in a lot of ways to heal itself? When my body works to heal itself, I don't say, man, I'm just, my body is so good. Praise my body. Ooh, so look in the mirror, just, no, praise God. Praise God that I am healed. Sometimes when we are sick, the antidote or the recipe for getting well is rest. And then you rest and you get better. And whenever I get better after resting, I don't go hug my pillow tighter and just praise my sheets in my comfortable bed. I say, praise God. And then there are moments also when I pray to Jesus and a supernatural miracle happens in my body. And when a miracle happens and I'm supernaturally touched, I don't praise the person who's praying over me or praying with me. I praise the living God of the universe. In all ways, in all types of healing, God is to be praised. God is to be praised for the healing. And he has given us resources when it comes to healing, such as doctors and physicians. Did you know Luke was a physician? Luke was a doctor. There were doctors in scripture that we know about. I am so grateful that I do not have to learn the science. 
that doctors learn, that they have done that work for me and I can go to them and I can receive what they have been imparted. Now, let me tell you something. I believe it's a gift that the Lord has given to those people. And for those of those who might sit on the fence of, I think doctors are of the devil, of, are of the enemy. Well, to me, that's the same thing as saying, I better not put my kids in school because I just want a super in, supernatural impartation for them to learn arithmetic. No, it's, it's, it's bizarre. The Lord has called people to be teachers. Just like he's called people to be physicians and doctors. And to be a whole bunch of other things. But in all of that, when my kid is learning what they need to learn, I'm not praising ultimately the teacher. I'm praising God. I'm praising God. He is the one who designed me. And guess what? Here's the thing. If God doesn't want me to be healed, nothing the doctor can give me will help it. Because God is in control. Now, guys, I have to tell you, let's talk about miracles because when we talk about supernatural healing, it's tied to miracles. Guys, miracles are not normal. That's why they're called miracles. Miracles are supernatural. And the greatest miracle you have ever received in your life is the miracle of when a sinner becomes a saint. The greatest miracle you have in your life is salvation to Jesus Christ. And if he doesn't choose to do another miracle in your life, that is enough. That is enough. But we have a problem, and we especially have a problem in this culture. And here's our problem. I want it now. We have succumbed to this instant gratification. I want it now or I don't want it at all mentality. And if you don't give it to me, I've got four daughters. I've got four daughters, and my youngest daughter, Nora, as sweet as she is, I'll tell you right now, when dinner, if she's, if she's got to wait five minutes for dinner to finish warming up, she has an out-of-body experience. <laughs> things start, she starts flailing her arms, she starts throwing things, she starts crying. It's as if this child, I would be, man, you would have to, I would hope that you did not call the people on me because you would think this child has never eaten before in her life. Isn't it interesting how children respond? But upon further observation, when I'm in the Chick-fil-A line, I sometimes see adults acting the same way when they don't get their food within 15 seconds of ordering it. Or when we're in the grocery line and, and, and we have to wait a little bit longer for, for what it is that we're doing. We lose our minds. We have an out-of-body experience. You better bet your orange is not being squeezed out of that orange. There's some motor oil coming out real fast. But man, we want things right now, right now, right now, right now. You know, I was watching a show where they were doing a, um, a scene uh, with Jesus in it. And one of the, it was panning away from these ladies who were making a meal. And I just dawned on me, I thought to myself, man, to think for every single meal, there was probably a journey associated with it. For every single meal, there was time that it took to actually, now we pop it in the microwave 30 seconds and we're mad that it doesn't taste right. <laughs> mad that it wasn't done in 15 seconds instead of 30, right? But we, we so want it now. Do you know that God doesn't always answer prayers on your terms? The Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. 
which means that while you may stomp and cry and shout and scream at God, he's going to do things in his timeline and according to his plan. Now, if you're a parent in this room, I decide to let Nora, I say, have at it. Flail those arms, throw those books. Dinner's not gonna happen any sooner. And I just let her go at it. And you know what happens when she does that? Not only does she do that and potentially hurt herself, she ends up potentially hurting others because of the way that she's reacting based on what she doesn't get when she wants it. You can also hurt others by the way you react whenever you are selfish and self-centered. God does not work on our terms, people, okay? Here's, here's fundamentally what I want us to understand today and lay a foundation for. This, uh, this rope here, this represents your life. This red portion of this rope is how long your life is spent here on earth. And what you do in the red part determines what happens on the white part. This life we live here on earth is super, super short. It's brief. And it is not the end of the story. It's a part of the story. And when we submit our our body and our thoughts and our, and our mentality and our emotions to an I want it now mentality, we will miss so much of what God has for us in this season. Because we are so upset that he hasn't given to us here what he has promised to us here. Do you know that in eternity, you are not gonna have to succumb to the ailments that you suffer today? Do you know that we are promised an eternity where your body is gonna be brand new? Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So here on earth, we sometimes have to contend with things because we live in a broken world. And it was never God's intention, listen to this, Post the fall, it was never God's intention for us to remain in these bad bodies forever. Yet sometimes we pray and we act as if this is all the story. But it's only a fraction of it. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we, we see a man named Paul. You guys are familiar with Paul. And this is what, this is what he was telling us here in chapter 12, he said, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said this, and I tell you, he says this to you today. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. There are times in our lives that we have to contend with ailments, with disease, all of these things 
Paul, did Paul have the power to heal people? Did God ever use him to heal people? There was a, there was a man named Eutychus. He sat in a window ledge and Paul was preaching. And I guess the sermon was boring. I don't know, but he fell asleep. Have you ever fallen asleep? Don't answer that question. Have you ever fallen asleep? He fell asleep and he fell out the window and died. Fell out the window and died. True story. Paul stops preaching, goes down the stairs, lays hands on him, says, you're going to listen to the rest of the sermon. Lays hands on him, <laughs> heals him from the dead, and goes back up and starts preaching again. <laughs> so God used Paul to heal this man. Why couldn't Paul heal himself? Why couldn't Paul heal himself? Guess what? God will heal those he chooses to heal. Now that's not a problem if you understand and believe in the sovereignty of God. But it is a problem when you're your own God and you want to draw from his benefits. He is still God even if you don't get what you want right now. And so with that mindset, we understand that we don't worship the healing, we worship the healer. And we have to be careful, friends, Christians, believers, that as we are considering the benefits of the king, that we not forget about the one who bestows the benefits. We center in on Christ, on Jesus. He's the one that does the redemptive work. He's the one, if he chooses, to do the healing work. And if he chooses not to do it, he's still God. He's still God. There was a woman, that is, the, the story is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years. And the crowd is just up against, have you ever been to a like a football stadium or getting out of the Pred Stadium or wh whatever, and you are just kind of side by side trying to get out of there? Jesus is walking and they are packed. The crowds are just all around. People are touching Jesus just by being in proximity to him. And this woman, desperate just to touch, touch the hem of his garment, just to touch the hymn is so desperate. She reaches out and she touches the hymn and it is, she is healed. Jesus in that moment feels something come out of his being. This healing touch. Why wasn't that healing touch for all the other people that were bumping up against Jesus? This woman had faith to be healed. And she was desperate for the healer. Oh, that we would be desperate for the one who heals far more than we are desperate for our own healing. Jesus did not come to give you a better life in this earth suit. He came to change your life. He came to change your life. It wasn't about you having the best car, the best house, having a good old time, feeling really great about yourself while you're here for these 80, 100 years on earth. It never was about that. It was about his kingdom. And he wants to change you from the inside out. Let me tell you something. The, the external things that he does, while it is wonderful and it's a faith, faith bolster, those pale in comparison to the things that he's doing on the inside. That's right. 
Those pale in comparison to the things that he's doing on the inside. Jesus can still heal today, but for some, he chooses to wait. For some, he chooses to wait. This is what Philippians 3.20 says. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power, by that power, enables him to bring everything under his control. He will transform our lowly bodies, hallelujah, so that they will be like his glorious body. That means this bad mole I have on the side of my head, I don't like, gone. Okay? This vision issue that I'm starting to have, gone. These roles, gone. It's all gone, people. It's all gone. We're going to go into a glorious state that is so much longer than the, than the 80 years that we're here. So why then do people lose hope and faith when he's not moving in the moment that you want him to move? He's not a microwave God. You gotta let that pot roast simmer for it to taste good. He has a reason for what he does. Now, I wish, I, I wish, I wish so much I had the answer to why. I wish I could stand here and tell you this is exactly why God has chosen not to, hand, uh, to heal you. But guys, I can't do that and nobody else can. God is sovereign. But what I can tell you is that he's good and he's kind and he's for you and not against you and he wants you and he sees you and he's not forgotten about you and that he sees everything that you're walking through, every circumstance, every ailment, he knows about it and he continues to be with you. He continues to surround you. He's a good, good God. This is what Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm glad his thoughts are higher than my thoughts because my thoughts stink sometimes. <laughs> his ways are higher than our ways. Can Jesus heal? Absolutely. When he does, do we, do we just shout with victory and, and, and it bolsters our faith? Absolutely. But I wonder if there might be someone who would have that type of faith even when he chooses not to heal. Because we are in love with the healer, not the healing. This is my buddy, Chris Mincy. Chris was not supposed to live into his 20s. This is his 44th birthday picture. 44th birthday picture. May I ask you a question today? Who has greater faith? The person who prays one time and is instantly healed or the person who carries an ailment for 20 years but continues to come, continues to come, continues to come, continues to come. It takes greater faith to believe God for what happens after death than it does to believe for healing while you're alive. Do you believe what the word says about your eternal life? Because if you believe in your eternal life, then everything that happens here is nothing but a drop in the bucket. But the question is, while we may say we believe it, do we act as if we believe it? What we say says we believe it. 
What we do says we believe it. What we think says we believe it. On my journey so far, and I know a number of you, all of you probably, have had somebody at some point close go on and be with the Lord. On my journey at this point, the closest person in my life that's gone to be with the Lord was Margaret Meek. There were fervent prayers prayed over Margaret in her life. There were tears that were cried, believing that Margaret would be healed. Fervent prayers by faith. But God, and listen to me closely, but God in his sovereign mercy, in his sovereign mercy, decided it was time for Margaret to come home. And I will tell you right now, my heart would long, would love to have just five minutes to hear that laugh, to see that smile, to embrace Margaret, just five minutes. But I strongly know and believe that if Margaret had a choice to leave where she is right now with Jesus and come back here, she would choose Jesus every single time. She would choose Jesus every single time. Why? Because she doesn't love us. No, she loves Jesus more. And guess what? We're going to get to go there one day and be with him. Does your life model Does your life actually model this understanding that the kingdom has come near? This is why the teaching and the proclaiming is just as important as the healing. Because if you don't have a foundation of what you're standing on, then you succumb and buy into the willy-nilly things that you need to unlearn as a believer. Because when we're not standing on the truth, then we're leading people astray. God can heal, but he doesn't always. God is sovereign no matter what. We in this room as believers, we believe this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, and I can't wait for the day where he makes everything new. He's going to make everything new. And so my question today is this. A number of you are carrying some type of form of ailment. Maybe it's physical. We talked about the, the, the verse in Peter. So it may be spiritual. Maybe there's an emotional wound. Maybe it's brokenness in your life. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be healed. Maybe it's something physical. You've been, you've been walking around on a crutch or there's something going on on the inside. Will you continue to come? Will you continue to come? Because when you come, you realize that you are coming to the one who heals, not just for the healing. And more than that, if I may push just a little further, is there anyone in here, myself included, who may need to repent for being bitter or upset at God for not working on my terms and not his own? His own. 